I am very excited about this new series we are starting today. For the next seven weeks, we are diving in to building our momentum together. Now, I've been praying over our church in preparation for this, and I just, I sense and expect us to experience significant breakthrough individually and as a church as we spend our time exploring this idea of momentum together. But first, I want to share with you a quick story about momentum, uh, about the thrills and the excitement of momentum, and then the heartbreak of when it sometimes ends. So I didn't learn how to ride my bike until I was 10 years old. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. I, you should laugh. That is embarrassing. That is late in life to learn how to ride your bike. I blame my dad. He blames me. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Anyways, I, w- I went to King Westwood when I was in fourth grade, and so I would ride my bike to and from school once I learned how. Now, I would go on Devonshire. Many of you know Devonshire. It's a hill. It goes down and then back up. So I literally traveled to school downhill both ways, and I can say that, honestly. Anyway, there was, I always rode on the sidewalk, and I don't know why, but I rode my bike on the sidewalk, and at the very bottom of that Devonshire hill, there was a tree with a a root underneath the sidewalk that made this, like, ramp off of the sidewalk, right? So I would cruise down this hill, I would hit that ramp and get major air and land and be on my merry way. Except for one spring day. (laughs) See, I... I don't have much mass, but I had a lot of speed, okay? And I was going extra fast this time. And I hit that ramp. I don't know what happens, whether my handlebars moved or there was a slight breeze or what. (laughs) But when my bike hit the ground, uh, my momentum shifted. And it wasn't so much the bike hitting the ground as it was my body hitting the ground. And my speed was no longer the bike moving forward, but me skidding across the sidewalk the width of a whole driveway. And my momentum very quickly came to a screeching halt. I was very banged up and scraped up and battered, and Mrs. Tepper saw me and she gave me a ride home. It was incredibly kind. All that to say, see, I had a lot of serious momentum. It was exhilarating until I met that concrete and it slowed to me having no momentum at all, and it was crushing, heartbreaking, and painful. Now, for these seven weeks, we are talking about building positive, life-changing momentum in our church. Momentum built to fuel us individually and as a church forward in faith without any concrete, without anything to slow us down. Now, this is pretty exciting Because for those of you that had the opportunity this past January 12th to go to the Momentum event, this is part of our greater classes effort, initiative to build momentum as individual churches and classes. And each church is kind of going through this uniquely, considering how to increase its momentum. So that's what we are doing. Uh, I have on good authority, many are not doing sermon series, so extra credit for hope. All right. It's not a competition, though. So what is momentum? Here's a quick explanation of a physics equation from someone who never took physics. Momentum, right here, is all, you see it everywhere. P stands for momentum in physics. And it means mass times velocity. 
Now, momentum is mass in motion. Mass, it's the quantity of something or how strong or dense that something is. And velocity is speed in a given direction. Speed on purpose. So we're talking about increasing our momentum of our church to become stronger and more on mission, centered around these seven components that you see here. Maybe sometime. We are going to build momentum in prayer, love, discipleship, leadership development, generosity, evangelism, and unity. So how do we increase our momentum in love? Meaning, how can we love deeper and more intentionally? Or in discipleship, meaning creating better and more disciples. Or perhaps to increase our generosity, where we are being more purposeful with our giving and also giving more abundantly. But today, we are talking all about prayer. Because the life of a Christian... Everything we do as people of God ought to start with, be surrounded by, and ended in prayer. It also ties in with one of our core values, pervasive prayer. It says this, We establish an intimate, growing relationship with God through regular times of personal and communal prayer. Prayer, it's foundational to our ministry and our mission. Therefore, all our joys, concerns, personal confessions, and ministry decisions will be immersed in prayer. There's something deep within us as humans. Something deep within us that makes us longing, long to pray. You've heard the saying, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? When things get desperate, we long to cry out to God. This is cool, too. I mean, if you think about it, our very first communication as humans, let's think back to Adam. Adam was created. His first communication was communicating with God. That's our first language, is prayer. You see, English or Dutch or Swahili, whatever your native language is, is actually your secondary language because we were first created to communicate with God. So to tackle this topic of how to increase our momentum of our prayer lives, we're going to dive into Ephesians Now, Paul, he, in all his letters, he would constantly write out kind of these prayers and the focus of his prayers for the people to which he is writing. And Paul, it's clear, he prays with passion. So we're going to look at this example from Ephesians. It's found in Ephesians 3. Uh, We're going to look at 14 through 20. It's a little different than what's printed in your bulletin. I made a last-minute audible. There's my Super Bowl reference for the day, uh, audible. Um... There is a game today, right? Today, okay. Yeah. So I made a last-minute audible. I added a few verses. So we're going to read from Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. Let's hear the word of the Lord. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Second here. Oh boy. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. In to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul prays with passion. He prays for these people to be strengthened with God's power through his spirit that resides in believers out of all of God's glorious riches. He displays a deep love and knowledge of God and deep care for God's people. He prays that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, that love will completely engulf them, and for them to come and understand that incredible depth of God's love. His passionate prayer is specific for these people in powerful ways that they will experience the power and strength they have in God who is very strong. And he attributes all good things to the Lord, gives them the honor and glory that God alone is due. So what does this teach us about how we ought to pray? Our prayers ought to be passionate, filled with all of our being, crying out to the God creator of the universe. And they ought to be powerful because when we pray, we harness and we receive God's power. So we're no longer praying or doing anything on our own strength, but on his. Our prayers ought to be persistent. Here's the thing with prayer. We all know we should pray. We all know that. We should pray, we should read our Bibles, we should go to church. Kind of the, the three, you need to do this if you're a Christian, right? And yet, oftentimes, a lot of us don't pray nearly as much as we should. We know how it goes. We start praying and we get distracted our mind wanders, we fall asleep, we get bored. Or maybe it's been a while since you were actively practicing your prayer life and so you feel guilty. And what does guilt do except stop you from doing that very thing that will stop you from feeling guilty? Or you're hiding from God, which is in we know you can't actually hide from God and yet we retreat from him. Or maybe we don't even really know what to say when we pray. Or we're intimidated because we feel like we have to use all this holy language like thee and thou and verily and all of that. But when we think about it, what do we know about prayer? Helps us grow closer to God. It unites us around his will. It empowers us to avoid temptation and strengthens us in our faith. Now, there are two common prayer tendencies I think a lot of us fall into, and I've caught myself doing this several times. Sometimes our prayers are too small, and other times our prayers are too general. 
or generic. See, God can do immeasurably more than what we may ask or think. And yet, sometimes our prayers are kind of small. Now, qualification, I am not saying that these prayers are bad. Any sincere prayer of the heart, that is not ever a bad thing to open ourselves up to speak to God. Only good comes from that. The important thing is that we pray. But what we pray about reveals what we believe about our God. Do we believe God can do anything? Do we believe he is in complete control? Do we believe that he has a good plan? If you pray big, audacious prayers, it reveals one thing. But if all of our prayers are very small in nature, it probably reflects we don't believe God is a God who answers big prayers. If all our prayers are about ourselves, comfort me, be with me, bless me, that may reflect we think God exists to serve us. And if things don't go our way, then we get mad or we get offended and we think God doesn't care about us or even more so we start to question if God exists, if it's all about us and not his will. We oftentimes will pray a lot for what we want God to do for us instead of praying more about what we can do for God. Or maybe we just never get that specific and we just give him kind of a general thanks, a general request to give us all we need when God is just desperately wanting to have a more meaningful relationship with us than that. I think it's safe to say no matter where we all are in our own prayer life, it's likely we could always use a boost to increase our momentum. So to pray like Paul, even more so to pray like Jesus prays, and increase our momentum, what are we going to do? I suggest that we pray boldly. These big unafraid, unashamed, vulnerable, here is all of me, God, type of prayers. Where we are not afraid to reveal ourselves to God because we know God knows everything there is to know about us anyway. We are not afraid to ask for big things in accordance to his will because we know God can and does still do big, great things. Examples of this prayer would be to use me, God. Shape me, God. Break me, Lord. Or like the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Anything that offends you, Lord. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. That is a bold, honest, heartfelt prayer. It's when we pray, we can pray boldly, believing that God cares more about what we care about than we do. So parents, do you believe that God cares about your kids more than even you do? Because he does. Or for all of us, do you think God cares more about your friends than even you do? Because he does. Or about your well-being? Because he does. Or be about this church? Because he does. 
So do we pray boldly for God to use this church and ask for him to give us the strength to boldly follow where he leads? Because God expects and anticipates and celebrates when we come to him in prayer, we can boldly approach him believing he is God who hears and answers our prayers. And he can do more than we can even imagine when it's in accordance with his will. We don't ask for things, we may ask for things outside of his will, but we always leave that door open, Lord, but not my will, but yours be done. What else will we do to increase our prayer momentum? We will pray consistently. How is it that we learn a language? Well, you do it by practicing consistently. Or how do you build up any type of meaningful relationship? It's through consistent communication. Or how do you gain any kind of progress through exercise? It's by being consistent. How do you learn to touch your toes? I don't know, because I can't yet. But I think it's by being consistent in your stretching. The Bible says this, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Psalm 34 puts it this way, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. If you miss a day, make a commitment to just not miss two. You miss a day, just don't miss two. If you don't have time in a day for your normal 15-minute deep prayer marathon, then you just do what you can. In fact, I would treat our prayer lives just like any significant relationship in our lives. Throughout the day, Meg and I will send short little check-in texts, right? Like, how's your day? Great. What you getting for lunch? Taco Bell. Cool. That's me, not her. She doesn't really get Taco Bell for lunch a lot. Um, now, our relationship could not survive if that was the only communication we had. But in addition to us checking in every night and talking heart-to-heart, person-to-person for longer periods of time, in addition to these check-ins throughout the day, in addition to uh, those kind of get-in-away experience where you're talking deep about your passions and your dreams and your struggles and all of that, all that together creates a healthy, consistent communication in which you build a deep relationship. We give priority to the things that matter to us. And this is one area where we can all give priority to is our prayer lives. How else will we increase our prayer momentum? By praying specifically. Being more specific in our prayers. Another sign of a healthy, good, deep relationship is how specific we talk about things with another person. So for instance, if I came home after my day and I'm talking with Meg and I give zero specifics about anything. How was your day? Good. Did you get a lot of work done? Yeah. What did you do? Work. And that's it. It never goes deeper. That shows we might not have that deep of a relationship. But instead, if we talk more specifically, 
that shows that you have this trust, you have this relationship, you have this love for one another, you care about that. The more specific you tend to talk about things with people, that's kind of a sign of the depth of your relationship with those people. And so how is that with God? Do we share all of ourselves? Do we share our dreams, our passions, our, our deep desires and longing and our heartache with our Lord? What's the other side of that? It's also listening. It's not a good, healthy relationship if you do all the talking. So you share these things and then you listen. And you sit and you rest with it. So I used to pray earlier in my walk, kind of something along the lines of this. God, thank you for everything. You know my heart. You know my every need. So make it happen, God. Amen. Check. Got it all covered, right? I was treating God like my lucky's rabbit foot, where it's convenient for me to pull him out. Here's all I want. Here's everything. Make this happen. Thanks. Without any relationship. I prayed for the day. Check. But that's not a relationship. God knows all about us, yes. So we could say, God, you know everything, take care of it all. But what does he want but a relationship with us? And what do we need but a relationship with God? If you want an example of this, I invite you to check out John 17. When Jesus prays for his disciples, he prays for the world. It is deeply specific. He even prays. He's praying out loud. He prays things to God, and he says, God, you already know all this, but I'm praying this for the benefit of the disciples who are here listening. He prays incredibly specifically. Bring every joy, every sorrow, every offering of thanks to God, for he delights in you. Make your requests known to him. He wants to hear. So as we reflect on this, how is the intensity, the frequency, the priority of prayer in your own life? And also, how is it for our church? I invite you to, in fact, jot this down. There's a spot for it on your bulletin. Uh, consider a ranking between one and a hundred. One, there is, I don't have a prayer life. I don't pray, and I never really have. To 100 is, you know, I'm always praying. I'm, I'm praying right now. I'm as good as it gets. Now, the thing is, we can't be perfect in our prayers, but if you think you're perfect in your prayers, now you have something to pray about. <laughs> you see, the first plan of any action, to, uh, to, uh, of, of any plan to grow, of positive life change, it comes with identifying where we are. It's not a competition. This is not a shame exercise. This is not a, anything like that. This is about being honest with ourselves and honest with God and simply saying, this right now is where I am. And I desire more. So identify it. Put down one to a hundred where, and yeah, that's so subjective, but figure it out. It's fine. Where in your life and where in our church are we right now with the intensity, frequency, and priority of prayer? And then consider this. What is one tangible step you need to take today to deepen your prayer life? For some of us, it is simply to start praying. 
if it feels uncomfortable, the only way to get more comfortable doing something is to do that thing. So start praying. God will honor it. You will be blessed. You will be changed. You will be moved. For others, maybe it's to expand our prayers to be more about just ourselves. Or for others, maybe it's to to allow God into those dark places we try and hide him from, which we know we can't. God already knows everything there is to know about you, and he still loves you deeply. Or maybe it's to share your prayers with others, to start praying for other people, to, 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 to pray with your spouse, to pray with your kids, to send a text to someone and say, hey, I've been praying for this, this, and this for you. Or maybe it's to ask for prayer. We have an incredible group of faithful prayer warriors here. They meet every Wednesday in that library right back there. And they pray over every prayer that comes in. But you know what? I would love to flood them, overwhelm them even with prayer requests. Because there's a lot more out there that they're not getting requests for. If you ever want prayer, just fill out one of those connect cards and they will pray faithfully for you. Or maybe you feel led to join that team. Or maybe you feel led to start praying for people after service. If someone's talking about what they're going through and you feel, I have to, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you right here and now. Or maybe it's to simply pray out loud in a life group or in journey and to become more comfortable stepping boldly forward because no one here is going to judge you for the quality of your prayers. You're opening up your heart to communicate with our God who wants nothing more than for us to talk with him and walk closely with him. So what is that one small step? You see, we can pray boldly. We can pray consistently and specifically. Because Paul reminds us God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. He can do all things. He will continue to do great things in your life. But what is it he wants? He wants a relationship. He wants you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. One thing that we are going to do together to help us live into this, to build momentum for this series, is we are going to partake in this the bookmark challenge. I just named it. It's a terrible generic name. I need to be more specific with my names. If you're in the outside aisle or inside whatever this aisle is, you'll see the bookmarks. I invite you to take one, pass it down. There's probably not enough for each pew. Raise your hand if you don't get one after they're passed, and we'll make sure that you get one. What we are going to do, and I challenge each of us to take part in this over this seven weeks, is to read through the book of Psalms together. The book of Psalms, it's 150 chapters. It's about three to four chapters or Psalms a day. That may be a lot to ask for some of you, but I encourage us to do this because when we read the Psalms, we are learning more about God. We are opening ourselves up and we can pray through the Psalms together as God's church. So I'd like to challenge and encourage each of us to be all in on this challenge for these next seven weeks. To wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what? I'm going to read my Psalms. You pull out your bookmark, you open your Bible, you read through it, check, and then pray to God. I fully believe 
you spend these seven weeks daily reading the Psalms and praying to God, you absolutely will increase your momentum of your prayer life. Perhaps this is in addition to your routine. Maybe this becomes your routine because you haven't had an established one yet. But I encourage you to prayerfully consider and dive all in to take this on. I am excited and expectant about what God is going to do with our prayer lives individually and as a church over these seven weeks. And I pray that you'll join with me in that as well. So why don't we go to God in prayer as we prepare our hearts for communion and seal this message in this time. Let's pray. Almighty God, what an honor it is to be able to pray to you, the Lord God, creator of the universe, who is all-powerful and almighty, who holds all things together at every moment, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being a God who cares, a God who hears our prayers, and a God who always responds, even if it's in ways we don't expect. Lord, we pray that you build within us a continued burning desire to commune with you. And Lord, we prepare to turn our hearts now to communion. For communion is all about being in relationship with you. It's all about what you have done and what you continue to do in our lives. We give you everlasting thanks, Lord. We thank you for this time, God. We pray that through the power of your Spirit, you will move us to action. We all desire to follow you, Lord. Remove whatever barriers stand in the way of us being able to do so. Because we know you can. We know that you can do all things. So work in our lives, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.